Welcome to In the Bible with Jason Worf. We're in the middle of a series on the Ten Commandments called God Wrote Love, and today we're looking at the Fourth Commandment in a message entitled Giving Time. Matt Shipman found that as he was looking at the daily news that he was kind of getting depressed. He's a a son, he's a husband, and he has two little girls, so there's a lot of women in his life, and he cares about these precious people. And as he's reading, he's seeing some violent uh, thing that's happened to a woman. You know, it's a, uh, a abuse by her spouse or, you know, some other thing that's happened. And it just is making him sick. And he's thinking, what can I do? I don't want my, the women in my life to be impacted by this harm. He remembered something that a tennis player once said, a guy named Arthur Ashe. He said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And so he started to think, well, what do I have? And he happens to work in HR in a, in a company. And uh, so he had a, a small network of people that he could contact and he found a, a women's shelter called Interact uh, that specialized in assisting women that had been victimized by domestic abuse and other things like that. He contacted Interact and he said, what do these women need? Well, and give me a list. And so he got a list of things from toothbrushes to, you know, lots of things. And he goes to his community of friends and colleagues and he says, would you mind helping out? Uh, could you get something on this list? Once a month for a while, he just collected these things at work and at people's homes, and, and then uh, he took it to the shelter. The first time he took it, it was $350 worth of essentials for these women. The next month, it was over $400 worth of these necessities. And each month, he continues to bring these donations to this uh, women's shelter. And Matt, he, in reflecting on this, he said, I hope from watching me, my girls will learn how rewarding it is to give back. You know, James 1.27 tells us, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unstained from the world. And if you read the story about Jesus, the parable where he is, uh, he's talking about the king who has, uh, who's dividing the people uh, like he would divide sheep and goats. The sheep on his right hand, the goats on his left. The people on his right are called the righteous people. And he, he allows them to go into this reward and inheritance from, from the king. And then the others go into a fire. And the people that are righteous say, why? He says, because you visited me when I was in prison. Because you helped me um, when I was naked. And you fed me when I was hungry. And they said, when did we do these things? And Jesus replied in Matthew 25, Verse 40, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, when we look at these statements, pure religion is this, and uh, the judgment of God is based on these, these kind of activities, you kind of have to wonder, why didn't God put that in the Ten Commandments? Do, do, have you ever thought that? Why, why didn't he ask us to visit the orphans in the Ten Commandments? Today, I think we're going to uncover something that uh, will lead us to understand that that really is in the Ten Commandments. It's part of what God is asking us to do. Today's sermon is entitled, Giving Time. And hopefully you'll catch by the end that there's two meanings to this. We're going to base this, of course, in Exodus chapter 20. I'd like you to turn there in your Bibles, because we need to we need to uncover some details of this command. This is one of the longer of the Ten Commandments, and so we get some, um, some therefores and some whys and some command. In fact, there's two commands. Did you know that the fourth command has two commands in it? There's not just one. 
So we'll have to uncover some of these things and figure it out. But remember, in this series called God Wrote Love, we're not, we're not facing the, the fence or the hedge that God has given us to protect us from evil and examining every aspect of it. We, we want to understand it. But our, our bigger goal is to turn around and say, what does the law enable and protect and allow us to do? What does it mean to love God with all our hearts? What does it mean to love our neighbors ourselves? That's, that's where we're headed as we're looking at this law. So go ahead and, and turn there, Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your sons, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. This command I mentioned has two commandments in it. Did you notice what they were? The first one was to remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the first command. The second, do you, did you catch what the second one was? Do no labor, do no work. All right, so these two commands are important, and, and we're going to explore a little bit in each of them. Uh, but I want to point out at the first, remember the Sabbath day. What's the purpose of remembering it? To keep it holy. Keeping it holy, it's like retaining its holiness, right? Making sure that its holiness stays. Did you, did you catch that idea of keeping? Um, sometimes we think of keeping the Sabbath holy as a behavior uh, that we do. Um, but, but the bigger idea is that God made the Sabbath holy. And he's invited us to join him in keeping it that way. Let that sink in. What does it mean to keep the Sabbath? Well, first of all, we, sh- we need to understand what holy is. If God made the Sabbath holy, what in the world does that mean? In all of the Old Testament, the uh, word holy comes from the same root word. So it's very consistent. And it, it has a, a definite meaning. We're not, uh, it's not ambiguous. Something that is holy is something that commands respect. It's something that you should revere or um, pay attention to. It's, it's unique and special from all the rest. Uh, if this were a, a series of things, um, the one that's holy would be more significant, bigger, um, more valuable, more special than the rest of those things in that series. To make something holy is to, you might say, set it apart from the rest. But not as, not as the same as, but in a, a different place, but as more important, more significant. Like a ruler has a certain type of significance. A king is, is a a ruler that has some authority and probably a castle and right there, there's something different about the king than there is about just a person that's living down on main street, right? The, the, the same is true for the Sabbath and the Sabbath command reminds us why that's true because it points us back to creation. It says for in six days, God created Day one, day two, day three, day four. Each of these things are super important. Day five, day six, we finally get animals and humans. And, and it's, it's all good. In fact, every day the Bible says it's good. And the, the last day God, God caps it off and saying it's very good. But then it says he hallowed the Sabbath. He made the Sabbath holy. 
the seventh day of creation. Somehow in this mix, God is saying this day, this day is more special than the rest. Not because it's a day of creation, but in this case, because it's a day that God, do you know what the word is? He rested. God made this day holy in his rest. Uh, so that, that's a really important thing. And remember that this isn't just a holy thing. We're not talking about a crucifix or a rosary or a book like the Bible. These things are, uh, you know, many people think of objects as holy things. But what God made holy is time. Think about that. God gave us time. One person said that time is the most precious gift you can give to somebody because it's something that you can never get back. You never have more. What's, what's given is, is, is never able to be returned. God gave us time, his time. In Eden, the whole idea was that God was going to hang out with Adam and Eve. The angels were going to be there. They were going to have communion with God. God was giving us his time. Sabbath is a time of giving. It, it's also important to note that... Um, God blessed this day. And it's not the same. God making it holy and God blessing it are different. So the idea with blessing, if you look throughout the Bible, there's, there's all kinds of uses of this word. If somebody is blessing God, like Paul often says this, you know, blessing and praise and honor be to God, etc. What, what does that mean, blessing? Well, it, it's basically saying, God, you're, you're worthy to be praised because of all the great gifts you've given us, because of your goodness. And so we give blessed, blessing back to God in praise to the gifts that, he, that he's given. But then the, when it's used of other people, like uh, Jacob blesses his kids, and in that blessing, he's giving his kids something. A blessing is a gift. And when we think about God blessing us, what we're thinking about is the gifts God has given us. And so the word blessed or blessing is also uh, has the idea of being filled up. Uh, if you consider Malachi 3.10, God encourages pe his people to give a tithe uh, and say, you know, you, I've given you all this great, nice things, you know, the, uh, the house to live in, the, the fields, the, the crops that are growing. Give me back a tenth of your increase. That's what God has asked. In fact, he says, um, will a man rob God? But you have robbed me. You haven't given your tithes. And so then he says this, Test me now and see if I will not pour out for you a blessing that you are not able to receive. So much that you can't even receive it. Give, give me your tithe, just a tenth, and I'll give you way more back in return. That's kind of God's promise with the idea of tithing. And when we think about blessing, that's the concept we should have, that God is pouring something out, that he's filling us up, that he's giving us more than we can handle. Uh, in a good way, more than we need, because he's blessing us. And so when God says that he hallowed the Sabbath, it means he set it apart. This is important. But then it, he, he filled it up with good gifts for us. He filled it up with, with stuff that's pretty awesome. How many of you think, don't raise your hand, how many of you think that the Sabbath is filled with good gifts for you? You know, there's, there's a, a kind of a process that somebody goes through. If you're a young kid, sometimes Sabbath can feel like a drudgery. Do you ever feel like that when you're a kid? It's like, oh, this day, I can't watch TV, I can't go and do this, and I can't do that, and I can't, I can't, I can't. And it can feel like, oh, why do I have to keep this Sabbath thing? 
And then when you get to the point where you're actually working and it's, you know, you've got responsibilities and you're just like, Sabbath, I can chill, right? And, and, and you start to feel like this, can't, this is a blessing for me. Uh, well, I think sometimes we have this perspective that the Sabbath is a law, that it's a command that we obey, and we forget that it's a blessing that God designed it for man. In fact, Jesus, when he's responding to the Pharisees who are condemning the disciples for having picked some grain and crushing it, crushing the, the holes in their hand and blowing it off and, and then chewing the grains because they're hungry, they said they're doing work on the Sabbath. And Jesus responded to them in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He said, the Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is made on your behalf, for your benefits, it was blessed and filled with good gifts for you. And, and it makes me think that maybe the Pharisees had lost the intention of the Sabbath in their great focus on the second of the two commands. The one, remember, that, that, uh, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, uh, to keep it as God designed it. And the, two, the second one, to not do any work. It seems like the Pharisees just honed in on that don't do any work kind of focus. And as a result, they made up all these rules and made it a focus of thou shalt not. That you can't do this and you can't do that. And I understand why they did it. To be honest, I understand why. So can you turn with me to, to Numbers chapter 15? And I want to tell you a story that you probably don't want to hear. Because it's, it's kind of a gnarly story. And we, we sometimes look at this and we go, oh, look, the Sabbath is important. But in, a, in the back of our minds, we're kind of afraid now because we hear this story. Numbers chapter 15 and starting in verse 32. And, and when you look at this story, just kind of glance through it, you'll find that there was a, a group of people that were out on the Sabbath, and they see a guy picking up sticks, and they take him, and they bring him to Moses and to Aaron, and they say, what should we do? And, and Moses and Aaron go to God, and they say, God, what should we do? And God's response, it says, uh, the man shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. Uh, how many of you picked up a stick on the Sabbath? Raise your hand, please. Come on, come on, be honest, be honest. Do you feel like you deserve to be stoned to death? Hmm, this is a hard one, right? Can, can we stop here for just a moment and examine why this happened? Because this is kind of the reaction we end up having, a slavish obedience out of fear, because we see that, oh, you break the Sabbath and you die. This is bad news. Now, some have told me that um, God has given an example of death as a result of breaking the Ten Commandments. So each of the commands has a biblical example of somebody dying from it, just to illustrate that these, uh, breaking God's law leads to death. No offense to them, but I, I, I don't see that in the text Let's go back just a few verses before um, Numbers chapter 15, 32. Um, just go back a few verses, and you find that what's being talked about is the difference between a high-handed sin and an unintentional sin. Now, when it talks about unintentional sins, in verse 22 and 23, it says, If you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments that the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by Moses from the day that the Lord gave commandments and onward through all your generations, how many laws does this cover? All. It's pretty clear. All the commands. Does that include the Sabbath? Absolutely. So if you sin unintentionally, and then the Lord describes what you should do. 
Well, there's two types of things. If you know, notice that you've sinned, and you, you should take a sin offering. But also there's a, a bull offering uh, that the priests would offer on behalf of the entire congregation for the unintentional sins of the congregation. It's clear that, that when you sin, there is an, a sacrifice that covers your sin. And who is that sacrifice for you and me? Jesus. So if I break the Sabbath, do I deserve death? Should, should you stone me with stones for breaking the Sabbath? Please don't. Because Jesus is my, my sacrifice, and he covers my sin, as he does yours. And I'd like to point out that picking up a stick is not a violation of the Sabbath. But what happened here in this next story that's being told is the result of, of what the Bible continues to talk about after it talks about unintentional sins. It says that um, in verse 30, the person who does anything with a high hand reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from um, among his people. This is a defiant, I'll do it my way, um, stick it to God kind of sin. This is rebellion, open rebellion that the Bible is talking about. And it says there's no sacrifice for that sin. Why? Because there's no repentance for that sin. It's not about the substance of the sin that we're talking about. It's about the heart. What's going on inside this person? And the very next story that's told in Numbers 15 is illustrating this high-handed sin. This man goes out and picks up sticks on the Sabbath. He, maybe he's making food. Maybe he went out to find some manna and not finding manna, decided he'd go, he'd go hunt some food too. And uh, we don't know all that was entailed in the behind the scenes here. All we know is they found him picking up sticks. And when the, when the judgment opportunity comes and God is able to respond, he says, this man is responding not with repentance. This is a high-handed sin and there is no opportunity for him to repent. Not, not, no opportunity for a sacrifice. Not because the sacrifice wouldn't be available if he was willing to repent, but because he was unwilling to repent. And so as a result, they needed to separate him from the camp, and God asked them to, to stone him with stones. Do you see the difference here? We're not talking about a guy who breaks the Sabbath gets stoned. We're talking about a guy who openly defies God like Lucifer in heaven is, is uh, exiled from the camp, in this case, stoned with stones. And now look in Hebrews 10, verse 26. And Hebrews brings this to the New Testament comparison of what we should, how we should be dealing with this. And, and keep in mind, as you turn to Hebrews 10, that this man is saying to God, essentially, I will not obey God. Knowing that God had provided manna and the opportunity for that manna to stay good for the next day, he still says, no, I don't trust God to provide for me. I'm going to do it myself. That's the mindset this guy has. And, and then in Hebrews 10, 26, you read this. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there, is no, long, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Do you see how this is connecting? A high-handed, I'm going to do it my way, I don't care what you think, I will not trust God, that kind of thing can't be uh, covered with Christ's sacrifice. Not because Christ's sacrifice isn't big enough, but because that person refuses to accept it. They refuse to repent, and they continue on in defiant rebellion. And so the people really should have looked at that heart issue when they saw this severe response to disobeying the Sabbath, but they didn't. They looked at it and they said, oh boy, oh boy, we better obey the Sabbath or we're going to be stoned with stones. This is, this is bad stuff. 
And, and so what they did is they padded the law. Do you ever do this? You never do this, do you? The Bible says don't do any work on the Sabbath. And so you're like, all right, let me define work. <laughs> and, and we go through our list and we figure out what work is. And then we're like, oh, we, we, we've got to be careful of what we say. We've got to be careful of what we do, where we go, what we see, um, who we talk to, when we do stuff, right? You know, whether we're using our credit card or not, all these things are part of our mix, our culture of Sabbath observance. And, and so the Pharisees padded their law and, and they did things like, uh, well, they said, you can't go on a long walk because walking is work. You, you walk to work, you walk to, to places, right? You can't go on a long walk on Sabbath, just one mile. That's all you get to do. But if on Friday you went to the end of that mile and you put some food stuff there, then you could stop and have a bit of a, a, a meal, a bite to eat. And then it'd be like a reset because that's kind of your home because you eat at home, right? And, and now you can walk another mile. Uh, that's called legalism. Trying to get away with as much as possible and yet still keeping the law. That's what legalism is. And it's interesting that all of their laws led them not to loving God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. It led them to hate God. It's called slavish obedience. And it caused them to hate God's law. Now, David, he was the prophet, a prophet and a psalmist, and he said things that were amazing about the law. In Psalm 119, he says, I love your law. Do you love God's law? Some of you are, have some confident yeses, and others are like, hmm, <laughs> let me think about that. It's, it's something about this that God intends for us to love. God wants us to love the Sabbath because he says, I hallowed it. I made it holy. It's the, it's the biggest thing every week. And then he says, I blessed it. I filled it with all kinds of good things for you. I made it for you. And the intention is for us to love it. To be like, yes, so glad for that gift from God. And yet, what we often do is we pat it with our little fear-based slavish obedience so that we can prove to God that we kept the Sabbath and he shouldn't be mad at us and stone us to death. Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man. The first part of the command said, remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember that God made the Sabbath, that he set it part, apart from the rest of the week. Remember that God's the creator. Remember that God blessed it and he gave us a time for our benefit. And the benefits of the Sabbath are way too many to count. Uh, think about them. Physical rest. There's a reason why we have a weekend. And it's not just because of the Christian church. It's because people burn out. And, and you know that uh, productivity declines if we don't rest our workers on a regular basis. And so we have a weekend to try to get rest. And of course, a lot of us on weekends, we, we push harder trying to get home projects done, right? But God said, no, no, I want you to rest. I just want you to stop. I want you to not worry about stuff. I want you to let stuff uh, fall through the cracks one day out of the week. I just want you to stop physically. That's a really valuable blessing that God has given us. But there's also this reminder of God's creative work. And remember the 10 commandments begin with, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I am your redeemer. And so the Sabbath is a weekly time for us to remember, remember that God is our creator and that God is our redeemer. And that, that this is, well, what is that phrase? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That's the purpose of the Sabbath. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's, that's the whole idea in the spiritual realm. 
He, he gave us time for spiritual renewal, for uh, discipleship, for growth. He gave us time for investing in our families. He gave us time for bonding with other children of God. He gave us time as well to be a generous gift to others. Imagine if you were given a million dollars. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, it'd be nice if you were given a million dollars, but nicer if I were given a million dollars, just to be honest. But if you're given a million dollars and some generous person, maybe it's your sibling or parent, or, or maybe just uh, some, some nice friend or a random stranger, million dollars, generous gift. And, and the way that it was given is clearly a gift of generosity, not because you deserve it, just giving a gift of gener- generous money. You have two options, at least two. One option is to hold it tight. It's my money. He gave it to me. I get to use that. Well, did, did that money get given to you? Yeah, sure. It's, it's your money and it's intended for you to be blessed by. And so if you get something nice with it, or if you uh, store it away to get interest, or if you do something like that, that's perfectly okay. But if you're given something with that great of generosity, doesn't it make sense for you to hold it with more of an open hand? Use it for your blessing, but also adopt the generosity of the giver. Do you see what I'm saying? And there's something about the Sabbath, this great gift that's made holy and blessed by God that he intended for us to hold with an open hand and to give away freely to others. So turn as we close with this idea, turn to Isaiah 58. In Exodus 29 and 10, it says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, a day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. Did you notice that's the new living translation? Did you notice that it says no ordinary work? There's nothing wrong with taking a nap on Sabbath, completely not doing anything. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. God has given us a gift and it's a, when it's a, a needed thing, to take that time to physically rest is, is a good idea. But if that's all we ever do, and we point to the Bible that says, thou shalt do no work, then I think we're missing a picture that the Sabbath is trying to give us, a picture of God's generosity. And Isaiah 58 describes what God intends when he talks about the kinds of work on the Sabbath. Now, if you begin in verse 1, Isaiah 58 is It is bold. It is strong. It says, cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob their sins. This is bold stuff. And what goes, what what continues on is cut to the heart type of of messages. Um, What are their transgressions? They act all pious and they go to the temple every day and they study the scriptures and they have all this, their theology, right? They act like righteous people, Isaiah says. That people who would never turn from God's law, uh, they fast regularly, they pray religiously, they tithe with dedication. But God says that all of that is simply pretending that they want to be near me. Wow. Why? Why is that the case? And uh, then they ask God, why haven't you blessed us? Why haven't you filled us up with good things? And God responds, I'll tell you why. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Whoa. Yeah. Can, can you tell me, why do you keep the Sabbath? Don't, don't uh, shout it out right now, but just in your head. Why do you keep the Sabbath? Do you keep the Sabbath in order to please God so that God will be happy with you? Because if you don't keep the Sabbath, he won't be happy with you. Is that why you keep the Sabbath? 
Do you keep the Sabbath because um, you want to receive something? Do you come to church so that you can be blessed? Um, is there a selfish component to your obedience in this, in this category? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to cut you here. I'm just wanting to ask you. I'm wanting to invite you to, to let the Holy Scriptures speak to you. Do you fit in there at all? Righteous people who are doing all these things to please yourselves. And he points out that while they're doing these religious things, they are oppressing their workers. They're fighting and quarreling and arguing among themselves. They're, he says they're praying like they're broken reeds. They're always bowing down to the ground, but they're, they're perpetuating abusive behavior and selfishness and greed and violence. You see, religiosity, keeping the Sabbath, is not where God wants us to end up. He doesn't want us to put on a show of religious behavior. He wants us to be transformed. And that's the whole purpose of the law, isn't it? For God to, to write it in our hearts so that we start to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the whole point of the law. And so that, that's the point of the fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. And God continues on. He says, this is the kind of religion that I want to see. And he says, not the religious fast, not the overly reverential prayer, not the repeated sacrifices. No, God doesn't want that facade. He wants heart transformation. And think, think about this. Galatians 5.14, Paul says it this way. The whole law can be summed up in one word, one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or Jesus separating the sheep and the goats. He says, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. James says, pure religion and undefiled means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress. God wants his law to transform our whole lives. And, and keep reading in uh, verses 6 and 7 in Isaiah 58, and you'll find that, that what God is describing fills what Paul and James and Jesus said in the New Testament. Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. This is the kind of fasting that I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burdens of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And don't hide yourself from relatives who need your help. Go, go to verse 10. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine from the darkness. And your darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you're dry and restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like ever-flowing a spring. That, those are good promises. And they come from the law lived out. The law in, in real life, loving your neighbor as yourself. But then God, and, and it's God talking here in Isaiah 58, God jumps to the fourth command. And uh, you've heard this. Isaiah 58, 13 is kind of a, a thing that we use to demonstrate the value of the Sabbath. And in fact, we use it just like the Pharisees did. Because we say um, what, what it says there, if you turn your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a, a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then the Lord shall take delight in you. And that's what we do. We're like, oh, you better not talk like that because the Lord won't take delight in you if you do. And we, we focus our attention on those behaviors that we think will please God. But that's not what the Bible is talking about here. Do you know why it says not talking idly? Because just a minute ago, it said that they were gossiping and arguing and hurting each other with their words. 
And he says, call the Sabbath a delight, not a day for hurting each other. And you know why it says not doing your own pleasure? Because their pleasure was to, to oppress their workers and imprison people and, and be mean. Hitting with a wicked fist was one of the things that the English Standard Version describes. Their pleasure was evil. And so God says, don't do your pleasure on my holy day, my special day, the day I filled with blessings. Instead, go out and bless people on my holy day. Instead, I want you to give to the poor. I want you to take people into your home. I want you to, I want you to help. I want you to free the oppressed. I want you to visit the orphans and the widows in their distress. That's what the Sabbath is for. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're given a million dollars, buy a house, get a nice car, have, have some fun with the money that, God, that, that, that that person has generously given you. Sure, that's, that's the intention. And God has given us the Sabbath for our blessing. And so, yes, come to church and enjoy the company of other people. Yes, hang out in nature. Yes, take a nap on the Sabbath. Those are not bad things to do. But, but if we do those things simply out of our selfishness, holding tight to the gift God has given us, then we are not keeping the Sabbath holy. We are not doing what God did with the Sabbath in the Garden of Eden. What he wants us to do is what he did, giving time. He has given us time, and he has invited us to give it away, too. And you think about this guy, Matt. He didn't have much. He's just a, a worker. All he did was, was organize some people to help, didn't he? Toothbrush here, uh, this there, you know, uh, some, some deodorant, whatever it was that they needed. And because this man gave his time, women that, that had been harmed by others were blessed by Matt. There's something about giving our time. It might not be a million dollars, but it is precious and it is, it is important. And when people think about it, when people give you their time, you value that. You feel, you feel like they value you. It's really an important thing. There's a tendency in our Seventh-day Adventist culture to elevate the Sabbath above the rest of all the commands, right? The Sabbath is the super important thing. If you don't keep the Sabbath, then you're, I don't know, you're bad. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so we defend the law and we push the Sabbath idea and, uh, and, and we even work on exposing conspiracies that brought the majority of the Christian world to celebrate on, uh, on Sunday and ignore the seventh day of the week. Uh, and we point to things like Revelation twelve seventeen, where, where Jesus is talking about uh, this remnant. And it says, the dragon became furious with the woman and went to make war on the remnant or the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. And, and we read that and we're like, yeah, that's us, because we keep all the commandments of God and we have the testimony of Jesus. We're the remnant. And we, we look at that as, I don't know, a point of pride. And I'm not saying that, that those things are completely wrong. God did give us all of the Ten Commandments. Uh, but do we really keep the Sabbath holy? Do we really keep it in the way that God designed it to be kept? Not as a slavish obedience of hundreds of laws, making sure we don't go into the water too far, lest we do our own pleasure on the Sabbath day, right? Not, not as slavish obedience in fear of destruction, but in, in really receiving the blessing of God and giving it to others. Do we keep the Sabbath? In Hebrews chapter 10, Paul says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. You see what his point is? Let's get together 
so that we can motivate each other to do good things, to go out and be a blessing where God has blessed us. And so I'd like to leave you with these two thoughts. They're thoughts directly from Jesus. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, filled with blessing on your behalf, full of benefits for you. And it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It is obeying the law to share that blessing with others. Not in a theological, dump it down your throat kind of way, but in a here's my time and how can I help kind of way. Because that's how God invests in us. You've been listening to In the Bible, recorded at the Bonners Ferry Seventh-day Adventist Church. You're welcome to come visit us in person. We're located on Highway 95, six miles north of Bonners Ferry. You can also find us online at bonnersferryadventist.org. If you'd like to listen to past episodes of In the Bible, you can find our podcast on Apple and Amazon Podcasts.